Good morning to each of you. Uh, the subject this morning is salvation. And the primary reason I chose that subject is uh, I am supposed to teach instruction class this coming Wednesday. And I have two uh, subjects I'm supposed to cover. The one is the fall and the other is salvation. And uh, I decided, you know, I don't really have time to do all that Wednesday night. So um, I'm going to talk about one of those this morning. Um, this, this idea, the snapshots of salvation, uh, the reason I chose that, um, I was thinking of, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, have a broad perspective and give a panorama sort of view. And maybe if I could make it be like the many splendored um, angles, something like that, of salvation, uh, would it not be wonderful if we saw... Um, I'm trying to think of a figure of speech, like uh, the many colors of the rainbow. If we could be uh, captivated by and enthralled by uh, the deep, the deep and wonderful uh, meaning of salvation. That would, that would be wonderful if we were so captured by it and so enthralled by it that, that our focus was on Jesus and, and this provision rather than so much on ourselves. I think it would help us. But then as I tried to, um, I mean, I've thought about this subject for 40 years. You would think that I would be able to just sit down and get this together. But then when I tried to, tried to work on these different snapshots, uh, I realized they are so intertwined that I could, I could hardly figure out <laughs> how to talk about them and not get just bogged down. So, snapshots. We shall see. Uh, the ones I'm going to try to focus on, and it obviously will have to be briefly, are on the back of your bulletin. So, it was even hard for me to decide what order to put these in, but I'm doing what I'm doing, okay? So, salvation means I am born again and have eternal life because I believe in Jesus. And I'm trying to keep this as simple and straightforward as possible. So we have the, Jesus' words to the Pharisee, Nicodemus. When Nicodemus said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus responded, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then a few verses later, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, as I'm reading these verses, I'm thinking, oh my, oh my, there are so many things in these verses. I've already got them bogged down. Uh, but these words of Jesus, really, they are not what I would call, they're not technical. Uh, in some ways, they're not even theological. I mean, they are, but that's not the way it sounds. Uh, the words focus on the necessity of, of believing that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, the source of life. The one who delivers from condemnation and death. And Jesus says here that only those who hear and believe his words about who he is, the Son of God, uh, will have eternal life and not be condemned. Those are the only ones, according to Jesus' words. And those who do not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God will die in their sins. To believe in the name of the Son of God, I believe, means to be convinced of the truth that the person who bears the name to, to believe in that person and to trust that person. Um, and so there's one thing I notice here. There are a lot of verses in the New Testament that talk about uh, what we might call being saved, being born again, although that term is not really used that often, born again. But in Jesus' words here, he doesn't use a lot of words that are used in other places, like regeneration or repent. Uh, it doesn't talk about being justified, the grand word. just talks mostly about, about trusting Jesus, the person. So the necessity of faith in order to experience eternal life. And I, and I want to make the comment here, too, that this thing, eternal life, uh, it's not talking primarily about a long life. It's not talking about the length of time. Uh, it's talking about a quality of life 
that Jesus possesses a life that is not subject to death. And he can communicate this kind of life to people who trust him. They receive that kind of life that they are not destroyed. When they have that life, they're not destroyed by sin and death. Of course, speaking of spiritual death, so to be born again, the term born again means born from above. And Jesus says this is something, and this word is not really technical. He says this is something like the wind blowing. It's like the wind blowing. And uh, maybe, Ricky, when you come up, when I'm done, you can explain to us how the wind blows. And uh, I'm sure there are physical scientific um, explanations for the wind blowing. But, you know, the wind blowing is not something that you can really analyze and control. And, and I know many people, and you do too, and maybe you are one of them, and maybe I am, who, who can't hardly be born again because they are so concerned about understanding the whys and wherefores and mechanics of it, and they can't just let themselves go. Uh, I'll put it this way. They can't just let themselves go and fall into the hands of Jesus because they are so busy trying to figure it out. They don't want any surprises, and they want everything explained before they begin the journey. And Jesus is saying uh, the new birth is like the wind blowing. It's, it's something that happens because the Holy Spirit is doing something that's hard to analyze. So the second one I have, salvation means I have repented and have been converted. Uh, now, this is a fairly straightforward sort of idea. Uh, John the Baptist, Jesus, um, they say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Peter, in the first uh, sermon, his first sermon, Acts 2, said uh, when the people asked what to do when they were pricked in their heart, I think it's the King James, he said, repent ye therefore uh, and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so there's several ideas there. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So uh, conversion, that idea there, uh, is connected to repentance uh, and expresses the idea of renouncing sin and exercising faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. And this uh, salvation means I have repented 
and have been converted. So what is repentance? Just briefly, first, it means the word it has the idea of after mind, to have a change of mind, a change of mind or purpose. And it speaks of sorrow for sin, of sadness or remorse about the effects of my sin on others, on God. And it speaks of turning away from sin and turning toward God and, the, and turning toward the attitudes and actions that God wants. So this, this is repentance, change of direction, change of heart, change of mind. And then I'll just mention here about conversion. My understanding of the word conversion is that it summarizes uh, everything that we mean when we say a person is born again. Uh, regeneration, uh, faith, all, all of that is conversion, I think. So the person who believes and repents is converted or born from above. And so salvation means I have believed on Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry for my sins. And I've been converted. And this is the result of God's mysterious work in our hearts. Or uh, Jesus' word is the result of the blowing of the wind. Holy Spirit wind. And of course, you can, you can only take snapshots, snapshots of the effects of the blowing of the wind. I'm not sure how you would take a picture of the wind blowing. The third one I have is salvation means I am forgiven. Uh, and that, that was, uh, it's mentioned in the Old Testament, uh, the verses that Ricky read. So Paul's sermon in Acts 13, um, Paul says that God raised from the dead this same Jesus. And by the way, that, that was... Uh, that was the basic gospel, good news message uh, in the epistles that, that God raised Jesus from the dead. He died for um, everyone's sins. And in his death and resurrection, there is forgiveness of sins. So he says, Paul says in Acts 13, that God raised from the dead this same Jesus who was slain. And therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So for, for Jews, uh, this, this kind of talking would be maybe uh, confusing. Like, okay, the law of Moses was, Moses was so important to Jews, but now we hear that it really doesn't help. 
So Paul is saying that salvation means that you're forgiven. And that's something that you could not achieve through the law of Moses. Then we have Ephesians 1, 7 and Colossians 1, 14, that we have redemption through his blood, the shedding of Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness of sins is connected to the shedding of Christ's blood. And I'll just say again that these, these, some of these ideas are hard to, um, I would probably be the kind of person by nature who wants a somewhat scientific answer, explanation of why something works. Did you hear that? That's me. And, and after you, uh, you know, think really hard and read a lot and study hard and try to figure out the mechanics of, of why the uh, shed blood of Christ uh, provides forgiveness. You know, at some point you kind of have to give up and trust God. So this, this is what the Bible teaches. Redemption, deliverance, forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Christ. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then chapter 2, verse 1, 1 John, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's the goal. And if anyone sins, or but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So he bore the sins of everyone in the world to the cross and died there. And so we have forgiveness of sins. And the fourth one I have, salvation means I am regenerated. Uh, now, the interesting thing is that in my mind, the word regeneration is the word to use. It's kind of like conversion, but it's the word to use uh, when you talk about what salvation is. It's, it's one of the important words. But the fascinating thing is that the word regeneration appears in the King James only once. Uh, Titus 3 verse 5 and it reads not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And uh, then the following verses say which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, 
that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this idea of regeneration, it means literally, again, born. It's a word that's very similar to uh, born again or born from above. Again, born. And it, it refers to the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart that results in a new heart or a cleansed heart. A changed heart. And 1 Peter 1, 3 and the last part of chapter 1 speak of this uh, being born again not by corruptible seed or uh, another way to translate that is again borning not by corruptible seed but by the spirit and word of God which liveth and abideth forever and so uh, the Holy Spirit works in the preached word in the reading of the word and accomplishes a and again, borning of the heart, a regeneration of the heart. And this is according to God's abundant mercy. And it results in a living, lively, living hope by the resurrection from the dead, uh, referring to Christ's resurrection from the dead and from the resurrection from the dead that takes place inside us when we are again born. And this is regeneration. Uh, the fifth one I have is salvation means I belong to Christ. Now I was going to put this one first, but then I decided not to. Uh, I am really um, attracted to this idea, the aspect, the snapshot of salvation as belonging to Christ. So one of the uh, worst conditions that anybody can be in is to be floating in space. And some people feel that way in relation to other people. Some people feel like they are floating in space in relation to God. So here, here's what the Bible says about belonging to Christ. Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, 
by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So verses like that um, make belonging to Christ sound like a beloved state to be in, condition. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I could have used this verse for forgiveness of sins. I believe conversion establishes a believer in a loving, bonded heart union with the risen Christ. Christ is alive. He's not dead. And he can be with us. And he has affections for those who belong to him. According to the verses I read... Uh, The Father chose people before the foundation of the world to be delivered from the power of darkness, to be conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His life, uh, the Son of His love, and to be blessed in, the Father chose people to be blessed in and through Christ. And the Father chose people to become his son or daughter through adoption into his own family. Believers are family members. And this is possible through uh, their trust in Jesus and the forgiveness of their sins. And all of this is made available in Christ. And the new believer belongs to the Father through heart union with Christ. And this heart union makes available to the believer all that Christ is and everything that Christ possesses. Uh, That is Christ's life, his righteousness, faith, hope, and love. Whoever Christ is and whatever his character is, his person is, this is available within the relationship, the belonging, heart relationship people have with Christ and in in their actual relating to Christ in fellowship. This is all, this can All that Christ is can be communicated to the believer within the relationship. Ongoing from day to day. Okay, the next one I have. Salvation means I am being delivered from the devil and sin. So the meaning of the word salvation is to be delivered or rescued or set free. That's the meaning of the word salvation. And then you could ask, well, from what are we delivered? What are we set free from? What are we rescued from? Well, the Bible presents 
a number of things that people are saved from, delivered from. And so it's from Satan, from the kingdom of darkness, from the guilt of sin, from the habits of sin. And so all of this is is what a, a person who trusts in Jesus is delivered from, or and maybe I should say uh, more technically, is being delivered from. This is an ongoing condition uh, experience in life, throughout life. So this idea of being delivered from assumes that there has been bondage to something. And so uh, then we kind of look back and we see, oh, yes, this is connected to the fall and the condition with which we're born. And then our own behavior and our own attitudes. Uh, so many things that in our minds, in our emotions, that we are in bondage to or controlled by Things that the Bible says are displeasing to God, or they are uh, unholy. So many things that we're in bondage to, and uh, we cannot free ourselves. Uh, Romans, I'm, I'm trying to see here where this, I think it's uh, Colossians 3. This is Colossians. I've lost my verses here. The verses read, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then Romans 3, there is none righteous, we know these verses quite well. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man, Christ. Through his one righteous act, the free gift has come to all men, resulting in justification of life. So there's bondage and sin, bondage to sin and to Satan, uh, to our own at birth nature that we need deliverance from. So the Gospels contain many, many stories of Christ miraculously delivering, saving, delivering people from bondage. And we won't go, I can't 
mention very many. You know, people that he healed physically, uh, blind people, lame people, demon-possessed people, uh, dead people, grace to life. All, all of these are examples of, of Christ's power to deliver from bondage, from death, from sin. And so the most compelling and extended story in the Bible of deliverance, of course, is the, the deliverance from bondage, uh, the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. And I'm not going to tell that story. But that's an example of, of the kind of deliverance that is available to God's people. And deliverance is rooted in the work of Christ, both the past work of Christ and his present work in the world, in our hearts. I'm at number seven. Salvation means I belong to Abraham's family of faith. Now, <clears throat> this one, I think, is uh, we're not used to this kind of talk. Probably you haven't thought much about it. I, I haven't myself. But it, especially in Romans four, there are other places. But especially in Romans four, uh, Paul says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, and that he is the example of how both Jews and Gentiles. are saved, justified, and can belong to the family of God. Abraham is the example. Okay? Then he says that Abraham experienced this belonging to the family of God. He was justified. God said he was righteous. Before he was circumcised many years. And Paul says, that's the example for all people. The person who trusts in Jesus has his faith counted for righteousness. And God can then say, he's righteous and he belongs to me. He's, he belongs to my family of faith. And in those verses... Paul also says in Romans 4 that Abraham is the spiritual father of both the circumcised and the uncircumcised. So this is a little bit of a side note. So one of the, one of the uh, points that Paul is making in Romans 4 and in other places is that is that um, God's, God's family of faith is a worldwide family. And both Jews and Gentiles can belong to this worldwide family. And a person does not have to become a Jew to be in the worldwide family. And this is a big issue of contention 
uh, in the book of Acts as Paul was in his missionary journey and the Jews uh, were certain that that Paul was a heretic because he did not require Gentile converts to be circumcised, to become Jews. That was the idea. So salvation means that I belong to Abraham's family of faith. And this is, this is by faith that's counted for righteousness. So the eighth one, salvation, means I am justified. So I have basically already explained that in what I just said. Okay? What does it mean to be justified? It means that uh, as Abraham did, he believed God and his faith was counted to him for righteousness. Uh, the verse says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him or imputed to him. And the word it is referring to his faith. His faith, God counted his faith to him for righteousness. And that's the idea of being justified or being right before God. So according to scripture, if a person's faith is counted to him for righteousness, this person is justified. That's what Paul says about Abraham, and he says he is uh, the example. I have more. I'm skipping. Uh, the ninth one, um, salvation means I can participate in God's kingdom, okay? We are not saved just so we can get to heaven. We, we are saved also so that we can participate in God's work in the world. So let's back up. Uh, when God created Adam and Eve, what was his goal? Okay, one of his goals was to place people in his universe and to give them the opportunity to co-rule his universe with him. In order for that to work well, uh, they would need to trust him and uh, not eat of the tree. So we know the story. They ate of the tree. So what happened? Okay, so then from then on, we have the struggle of people to cooperate with God, with his uh, principles, his goals, 
we have this problem of people not cooperating with God so that um, so that God's will in heaven was also done on earth. That's what would have happened if Adam and Eve had not fallen. Uh, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That would have been the reality, but the fall undermined that. Okay, so in regeneration, in uh, salvation, people are being reclaimed so that they can participate with God in the proper ordering of the universe or ordering of the space they occupy where we live and in our responsibilities to participate in the establishment of God's kingdom. So in salvation, we are reclaimed not only for ourselves and our own welfare in getting to heaven, we are welcomed by God to participate in the work of his kingdom as expressed in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, to go and make disciples, uh, to baptize or immerse disciples of Christ uh, in the presence of God, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I believe it says, and teach disciples to observe all that Jesus has commanded. And so uh, saved people are participating with God in his kingdom by living the kind of life that Christ uh, is redeeming them to live and doing the kinds of things that God wants done on earth. And so salvation means I can participate in God's kingdom because I've been delivered from bondage to anything but the kingdom of God. The last one I have is salvation means I am baptized by and filled by the Holy Spirit. And we, we know this is true, and I'm not going to uh, elaborate on that. I am out of time. May the Lord bless you in being saved.